0: My heart is stirred this morning of what all of our forefathers have fought for and died for so that you could sit here in freedom. And when I think about the war, especially that one man who said America must win this war, and he pledged to fight if he was the only one that was left to fight, he was going to do his best to win the war by himself. He was determined. And yet I look out across America and I think of all the bloodshed of all the young men and women. We think of people that go to war as old men and women. And yet really they were just teenager boys, 20s and their 20s. Having life, having so much to offer. But instead of living a life and raising a family and doing everything like a young man would want to, they died on foreign soil. And I think about World War I, reading an article that so many young men of America were killed. They started drafting the people in 30s, and then it went to their 40s, then their 50s. Even some men in the age of 60 years old were drafted to go to war. The war was intense. And then I think about all that they sacrificed. And if we're not careful, this democracy will end because America is squandering her freedoms. We're squandering them. because the truth of the matter is though they fought in a natural sense, the church has failed to fight in a spiritual sense. Our only hope that we have is Jesus Christ. If America is to endure this last day fight, this last day scrimmage, and we're in a war, if you cannot see that America is in a war and not only is their forces outside China and Russia playing their hands and manipulating and Iran, and you can see them coming together to plot against America. It's like a chess board, and you can watch them move and make their military moves, and and doing everything they can to ruin our economy and doing everything they can to become a war power. in China trying to get their money to become the number one money in the currency to try to drop the value of the American currency. And then they're trying to go to a one world government. You got plots and schemes and plans. And you got wicked men, billionaires. And you got big tech forming together to create havoc in the country, trying to bring America down so that that the rest of the world can come to a level of plateau to where dictators can rise, freedom is destroyed, and we become puppets in the hand of a one world government. That's where we're at. And if you cannot see that, you're blind. If you cannot see that we are in the last days, then you are not spiritually alert, and you need to fall on your hands and knees, and you need to beg for mercy. Because we're at the dispensation of, of the last midnight hour of the call of God before he comes and gets his bride. We're there. And as I think about the events that took place in America, in the state of Texas, of nine. Of nine little children being murdered. You can call it whatever you want. Oh, somehow they'll explain the way it was mental illness. It's according to whether he was white or whether he was something else or, or what the actual uh, cause of his behavior will be called. Call, we'll call it like it is. If he's white, it's white supremacy. If he's a different color of skin, it'll be, oh, it was mental health. Or it was a disease. The hatred that we're living in. And I want to tell you what it was. It was called sin that led to demonic activity. It was demonic what that man done. Being led by seducing spirits and evil Wicked de- demons that deceived, lied, and tricked that man. You can call it a disease all you want. Most diseases that start, I'm tired of them saying alcoholism is a disease. It starts out with sin. People that burn their brains out on drugs and then they want to give these diagnoses and make names for them in the illness. Yeah, it, it, it may become that, but the problem of it, it started by behavior, it started by sin. Can I have an amen? When are we going to wise up and understand where we're living and where we're at in this age? I have really battled over this sermon this morning because there's so much to preach and yet I just feel like preaching a very basic ABC sermon. Nothing depth, no deep theological uh, thing about the second coming of the Lord, but I want to mention about the second coming of the Lord, but I want to... Show us where we're at on the timetable of God by the text that I have taken. Let's read the text one more time. Matthew 24 starting with verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. First of all, one thing that we see that is very clear in our text, and that is, as the day of Noah was, so also shall be the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus likens the day of Noah and compares it into the day in which Jesus would return. Just as the flood was an event that happened and was an actual fact, can I remind us here that the second coming of Christ will be an unfailing certainty that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is coming again. And that's why Titus 3 and 5 says that we, we look for that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the anchor of our hope, and we know that he's coming. But before he comes, what's the earth going to look like? What is the attitude of people going to be like? What is the atmosphere over nations going to be like before he comes? Fact number one is there was a great and growing wickedness in the day of Noah, even so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. In reality, I try to be a most optimistic type of a person. I'm trying to learn that from my wife. I can be very negative at times and she's always trying to correct me. And I'm trying to take on that nature of being optimistic. But one thing that is very noticeable in the scripture, that in the days of Noah, and that was that the world did not get any better. As a matter of fact, Actually, as a matter of fact, actually the days were days of gross darkness. The days continually grew worse and worse and worse until God saw that the wickedness of man was great within the earth. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter six, verse five, and God saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. This is what the earth looked like. This is what society looked like in the days of Noah. The Bible just literally says that, that they just sat around trying to think up and invent evil things. That there, there were literally designers of evil in that day. They sat and they produced evil. They, they were promoters of evil, and evil was rampant. And can I tell you, Jesus even said that in these last days, what would happen? They would call evil good. And Jonathan Cahn said, yeah, but we've even went to a greater depth of that. They're not only calling evil good, but they're calling good evil. Evil. And that is, a greater, that is a greater dimension. It's one thing to look at something that's evil and say, well, that is good, but it's another thing to have a church come together in harmony and in love and preach a message of love and they call it evil. And that's where we're at as a showdown in these last days. Can I tell you that you and I are facing some great evil times. This is not a popular message of the 21st century. We wanna come in and we wanna stroke everybody and we want to give everybody hope and there is hope in Jesus Christ which I'll get to but that hope will not come without a fight. We are in the fight of our lives. We better wake up and smell the roses. How many committed soldiers do I have that will say like that man if no one else fights I'll fight with everything that is within me and I will not give up even if I'm the only one on the front lines. I will die giving my heart and cause for the kingdom of God I will not compromise, I will not back down. I will not be pushed away. I will not bow my knee to the system of this world. I will not crumble, I will not falter. I will be persistent, I'll be like a bulldog and I will stand the test of time. If you feel that, would you stand to your heart and give your heart, your feet and give your heart to the Lord and praise him. Hallelujah. Woo! I refuse to let my forefathers die in vain. Can I have an amen? amen. Jesus, even like in the days of Noah and the sick, coming to the days of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know what Sodom and Gomorrah was known for. Let's just say it. Perverse sexuality. Oh, amen. Amen. Listen to what he says in Luke 17, 28. He said, this is what it's gonna be like when I come. Likewise also as in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even this shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. I want you to know that the palace of praise stands against, without apology, homosexuality. I want you to know without apology, we stand against same-sex marriage, even though it be a law of the land. Without apology, we stand against pansexuality. Everybody says, well, what is that? Paying the God of paying back in the Old Testament. It it means sex with anything and bestiality It's commonly growing within America. And I wanna tell you, we stand against pedophiles and pedophilia, which is the sex with children. We have Hollywood and different lawmakers trying to make it where it's not a, a, a child abuse no longer to have sex with children, that children ought to be free to make up their own minds. The apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and 1, this know also that in the last days perilous, serious, dangerous, hard, difficult times is gonna come. Second Timothy chapter four, verse five, the Bible says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from truth, and they shall be turned into fables. He said, This is what's going to happen in the last days. And then he goes on in 2 Peter 3 and 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, saying, Where is his appearing? Well, we've heard that ever since our fathers fell asleep and he ain't come back yet. And then in Matthew 24 and 12, and because iniquity will abound, The love of men, is gonna wax cold in the last days. Matthew 24 and seven, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. And if you just get online and begin to do search, if you'd hear the news, you'd see that already these scriptures are becoming fulfilled, and I can't spend a lot of time there. I'll just mention just a couple of them. Right now, I want you to understand that there are plagues that's being broke out in America. Right now, did you know leprosy, something that we had controlled for years and years and years, beginning to be broke out, and especially up in the northeast and around Wisconsin area, leprosy's becoming rampant in certain areas. Did you know we got a serious thing called pestilence that's happening within our land? Just one of them. There's a worm that they have found. They have found it in different parts of the world. They finally found it in the United States in some of our most productive farmland. And this worm, no matter what you plant in that ground, that worm will eat it up. It'll eat its roots and it'll kill it. And there's thousands of them. They can plow it up and there'll be thousands of those worms. The only problem is the only set aside that they have found to kill the worm. It kills the ground where nothing can grow. That's how fast farmers can go broke. That's how fast your food chain can change. We're living in the last days. Can I have an amen? Are we blind? Are we not serious? It's like we're living our lives if nothing has taken place. Matthew 3 and 11 says, many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And then the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, loudly, earnestly, passionately. The Spirit speaking to us. And what's he saying? That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience sealed with a hot iron. Even though there will be great outpourings of God's Spirit in the last days according to the prophet Joe, yet gross darkness will also be prevalent like never before. There's one thing that we don't understand that we look at revival, we package it in our own mind. But the truth of the matter is as God's Spirit is poured out, even so there will also be a rise of wickedness at the very same time. Can I have an amen? Matter of fact, there will be a revival of the church, but there's gonna be a rise of the apostate church at the same time. We're living in the time of what what is uh, uh, described or shown in the time of Pharaoh, when it was time to let the children of Israel go out of Egypt, meaning coming out of the world. The word Egypt means world. And right before the second coming of Jesus Christ, when we're delivered from the world, this same thing is appearing that happened in, in the time of Egypt, and what is that? And that is that every time that Moses went with the rod and performed a miracle, there was a a counterfeit that was awful offered. There was a pushback from the magicians of Pharaoh And even though I believe in these last days that we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles of God, yet I want you to know that the only thing that is going to free us and the only thing that's going to bring revival is not the signs and the wonders. Only an evil generation seeks for a sign. But I'm here to tell you, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that's going to free us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And even though God's spirit's gonna be poured out in them last days, the rise of wickedness is gonna rise just like in the day of Elijah, when Elijah stood before the prophets of Baal and he wiped them out. You know the story, I don't wanna go through that whole story, but finally he told the servant to go up on the mountain and see what he sees and he walked up the first time, he seen nothing. The second time, he seen nothing. On the seventh time, he comes back with a report. He says, I see the cloud about the size of a man's fist and Elijah began to rejoice and say, oh, 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 I have, you better get in your chariot because I hear the abundance of rain. I hear the abundance of, the prophets of Baal were slain and the rain of the spirit had came and Elijah runs and beats him into Jezreel But when he gets there, you would think revival's here, revival's made, things has happened. But you know what happened? Jezebel rose up at that very hour and sent a word to Elijah, that great man of God, that had just slain the prophets of Baal. And there was a pushback. And she said, I'll have your head cut off before this night is over. And a threat came in that man of God, that prophet of God, under the power of seduction and under the power and the influence of a Jezebel spirit he became depressed and he lost faith and hope. And can I tell you? That's exactly where we're at in America. We had a president that was having preachers and and having spiritual leaders into the White House to give him advice. They were having prayer meetings. They were having gospel singings, and everything looked like revival had came. But all of a sudden, after after well, after a while, there came a pushback after this next election and. It's almost like the church is sitting there thinking, what in the world's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. We're in the war of our life. It's not a time to count down and question. It is a time to arise. Not a time to get depressed. It's a time to believe. Can I have an amen? Amen. Franklin Graham is under, under one of the greatest assaults of his life we just simply going across the nation preaching Jesus Christ. The Muslim and the LGBT community have come together, joined their forces, and coming against Franklin Graham, and they're out to destroy him, saying he's a preacher of hate. Even though God's spirit will be poured out, there's not gonna be a conscience to convict many because their hearts are going to be seared with a hot iron. Their conscience is going to be seared because they're ignoring, rejecting, quenching, and refusing the Holy Spirit's correction and conviction. And they're also rejecting and ignoring the truth of God's word. America has become gospel-hardened. Fact number two, even as there was faithful warnings in the last days of Noah, even so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. I'm a warner here today. Matter of fact, according to the scripture, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. 2 Peter 2 and 5 says, and for God spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Notice that the Bible says, or calls him the eighth person. Why was he the eighth person? Because he refused to get in that ark until all of his family were saved. I'm not going on that ark until... All three of my sons, all three of my daughter-in-laws, and my wife is on that ark. In other words, he was an intercessor. He's the one that stood in the gap. And If there's one thing the Holy Spirit spoke to me is this, the only thing that is keeping Jesus Christ from coming back right now is the intercessors. They're interceding, oh God, I got a grandson, I got a son, I got a daughter that's lost. I got a husband that's lost. I got a wife. Don't don't come back until they're saved. There's intercessory going on all over the country. And God has given us a spare, a, a moment of time. But there'll come a time when enough's enough and God's gonna come again. For 120 years, Noah preached while building the ark and yet without one convert. Every nail and every board that he put on that ark, in that ark was a note of warning of the coming judgment that was about to come upon the face of the earth. Never before in the history of the world has there ever been so many people preaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The prophetic end time is becoming very popular right now. You're hearing it in all kinds of fashions, forms and ways. And in comparison, never before in the history of the church has it been so hard to win people to Jesus Christ because of the times. The times are hard. The times are evil. I had lunch with Craig Reynolds yesterday, and we were talking, and he said, something I don't understand, Brother Miller, Craig has been fasting, and Craig has been praying and earnestly, and he's been seeking the Lord, and he's a lot of time in. He's been studying the scriptures, and he's been doing everything he can to, to become uh, sharpened in his skills to win people to Jesus Christ. And he began to lay out all these people that he's put on his list and the targets that he's going after. And he began to tell me about some of the experiences that he's having. And then finally he looked at me with like, whoo, why is it so hard to win people to Jesus? Because we are blanketed with the spirit of Antichrist. We are blanketed with the spirit of Jezebel. We are living in some gross, dark times. And what we are fighting against is powerful. It's not a time to play church, it's not a time to straddle the fence. It's not a time to be lukewarm or complacent or mediocre. It's time for the church to get real serious. The only thing that's gonna pull down the strongholds is the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost and we need to seek the power of the presence of God like we've never sought him before and we need the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory to fall in our services to counteract the heavy darkness that's plaguing our land and the demonic atmosphere that has moved in over our nation, the only hope, my friend, is for the church to become a spiritual church, a church on fire by the Holy Spirit, and that we will declare the wonderful works of God. Can I have an amen? Amen. Jesus even prophesied in the parable of the 10 virgins that in the last days there would be one more final call before he returns, it'll be at the midnight hour of the closing dispensation of the church. Matthew 25 and six says, and at midnight, there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. At the very closing hour of the grace dispensation, there will be a final call to prepare, to get ready, and that's where we're at right now. I believe with the Holy Spirit of what we're seeing throughout the the world right now that we're, we're hearing that final call. That's where we're at. I want you to know the call has been made. But what is on, what's real scary about it, he's talking to the church when he talks to the 10 virgins. Only half of them respond. Only half of them get prepared. The others wanna try to bite off the people that get prepared and they said, go get your own oil. Amen? And we're living in a time when people don't understand how important it is to have oil in your vessel. Having the Holy Spirit in your vessel. It's not by power nor by but by my spirit. The only way you're gonna overcome these last days is being full of the Holy Spirit. That's It's so seductive and it's so... It's so clamoring and, and there's so much going on, the voices of the world and, and, and the pulling of the world. So many people are so caught up in their careers and so caught up in sports and so caught up in their children and what their children are doing and they're putting very little to no time at all in the spiritual. And I'm here to tell you that there is disaster coming to those families because this thing is getting winding down, and the more that it winds down, the darker. The it's gonna get, the harder it's gonna get, yet those that stand in faith will be assured that God will never leave them, that God will never forsake them. there will be people of faith and they'll be the people that will orchestrate the manifold grace of God, but you will not go to heaven by hanging on to daddy or mama's shirt tail. This is an individual walk, and it's time that we walk the walk and talk the talk, and the most important thing for Kent Miller is that them grandchildren are told about Jesus Christ Forgive the sports, forgive whatever. It's not wrong to have them, but it's time that we put our priority in the house of the Lord and in the things of the Spirit and get them taught the word of God. Get them on firm footing. Give them a firm foundation. Let Jesus Christ be the chief cornerstone of our lives. Can I have an amen? Amen. God help us. Uh, we're here like never before. Is that call going out? Globally. Millions of Muslims are coming and being saved. Thousands of Hindus are being saved. Brian Matthews goes to a village. In a few nights, there was no one there that came. You heard the story, but he didn't finish it. By the time that they left, the whole village, one hundred percent, not ninety-nine point nine. of that village gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Noah preached until the time that God told him to get on the ark. If you're gonna try to shut me up, you're wasting your time. I'm gonna keep preaching until he comes back. Can I have an Amen. I may be in a nursing home somewhere, but I'll be in the corner going. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be preaching to somebody. Amen. I may be talking out of my head, but I guarantee I'm gonna be preaching. Amen. Noah preached about the coming judgments and the pending wrath that God that was to come upon the earth. That ain't a popular message today. People that preach that, oh, they're legalistic. They ain't giving no hope. And hey, the scripture's the scripture. Wrath is coming upon the earth. The next thing on the agenda of God is the is the uh, tribulation, the unleash of the Antichrist. The only thing before that's the rapture of the church. <laughs> Praise be unto God. But that's where we're at. There's judgment coming. I said there's judgment coming. Yeah. I have a want desire to just start preaching on the judgments, go to the first part of the Revelation, start talking about them. That's not what this message is about. It's a warning though. Nowadays we have all kinds of warnings. We have the signs of the time that Jesus spoke about, them, about Matthew 24. We have dramas that's up in Pennsylvania and Branson and, and even Eureka that's had the passion play for I don't know, 70, 80 years. I don't know how long it's been there. But you have all these dramas all over the country about Jesus and the crucifixion and all the different biblical characters and thousands upon thousands and thousands of people go to them and say, sinners go to them and say, oh, ain't that nice? We have books, tons of books on the rapture. We have TV, we have radio, we have tapes, we have CDs, we have DVDs, we have all kinds of conferences, we have seminars, we, we have everything but in America. There seems to be a lukewarmness, an indifference. Come on. And the church has lost its zeal to fight and understand the importance of the time. Let me say Ronald Reagan said. We can't afford to lose this fight. Amen. We have the prophecies of the second coming in John 14 where Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house. Our many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to where I am there. You may be also. We have that famous prophecy of 1 Thessalonians four thirteen through 18 of the catching away or the rapture of the church where Paul said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which asleep that you saw not, even them which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain into the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them where it shall sleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. That is the promise of the rapture of the church. Fact number two about our text, the people in Noah's time were overtaken with the suddenness of the event and there was a universal surprise when it happened. Even so, will the same thing will happen in the day of the coming of the Son of Man because listen what our text says in verse 39. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Even though warning after warning after warning after warning, preaching after preacher after preacher, seminar after seminar, book after book, tape after tape, play after play, drama after drama, yet there's gonna be people caught unprepared because they would not heed to the message of the gospel. They were marrying and giving in marriage until Noah entered into the ark. Life was as usual, business was as usual. Guess what they done? They drank, they partied, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built, they prepared. They've done it all, it was just life in general, sucked up by the cares of life and becoming unfruitful. The people in Noah's day didn't believe Noah's testimony, and some that are hearing my voice right now, it's like, yeah, right. I've heard that all my life. They really don't understand where we're at. They don't understand where we're at on the chessboard of life. The habits and the sins of society remained unchanged in Noah's day, even though he was a preacher of righteousness. They remained unrepented. And if they would have really believed Noah's message, they would have not been caught off God because they would have been watchful and prayerful. And if we really had the hope of Jesus' return, we would be doing more than what we're doing now. And let me tell you, we would purify ourselves as he is pure. Because the Bible tells us in 1 John 3, 2 and 3, beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope, he purifies himself even as he's pure. If we really believed that he was coming, we would be walking different. We would be talking different. We would be watching different things differently. We would would be doing a lot of things. We make a lot of changes we change our priorities. One of the signs or the evidences of the last day is this. There will be a remnant of holiness in the church. Can I have that? Amen. The church, the remnant, the true church will be holy. Amen. Blessed are those that do hunger and thirst. after. They shall be filled. There will be people of hunger. There will be people of thirst. There will be people that are stirred by the spirit there's something happening in our land that we got to understand folks the middle ground is being destroyed it's being taken away well, you know morality never has made a person righteous good morals are something that helps sustain a orderly society but morals within themselves cannot bring forth righteousness and one of the things that is happening in the in the in the land is those people that are here that are somewhat morally upright citizens. They got a good moral standing and you got over here wickedness and you got over here righteousness. God is destroying that middle ground and he's saying, choose you this stay whom you're going to serve. He's got a sword in his hand and he's drawing that sword out and he's calling the church to a time to understand you're no longer going to straddle the fence. You're no longer going to trust in morality. Either you're going to be for me or you're going to be against me. I'm separating the wheat from the tares. I'm separating the goats from the sheep. And I want you to understand you're either going to become more darkened and more more wicked and you're going to become so wicked you're going to become unrighteous or you're going to become a righteous servant of God. There will be no in between in these last days and I'm seeing people that are backsliding that are getting cold and indifferent and some of the things that they're doing that they don't even think that is wrong anymore come on somebody You're, I could go meddling and start naming them Christians so called Christians that come to church every Sunday morning because Sunday you know well we're expected to because dad tells us to or mom tells us to but in reality some of the things they're doing behind the scenes and they've convinced themselves and justified themselves that their actions and their behavior is perfectly fine because it's accepted in the common in the common value of society. We have grandparents that no longer want to stand against homosexuality because their granddaughter has become a lesbian. Hello? You say, Brother Miller, do you hate homosexuals? No, I love them. Every homosexual is welcome to the church, but they will not spread their agenda. They will not use this place as a platform. They will not be put in leadership and we will not recognize them as a Christian believer until they're transformed by the power of Jesus Christ and delivered from their abomination. (laughs) Throw eggs at me don't really matter Noah preached but no one would listen but he kept preaching because there's one thing for sure when I stand before God I don't want him to say why did you not warn my people why did you not tell them we're living in a society that has completely gone by that's my own word I made that up I can use it if I want to. You figure out the meaning of it. Nowadays, it's not wrong to do anything. We did live in a legalistic world back in the 20s and 30s where everything was a sin, but now nothing's a sin. Am I preaching okay? The wages of sin is death. Period. Period. And wherever the tree falls, there's where it's gonna lie. It's gonna be judged a where it fell. Sin kills, sin destroys. Sin's deceptive. It takes you and it puts you in that middle ground and it makes you feel like you're righteous and you're moral but it keeps working and it keeps seducing and it keeps tricking and before long, you back up on your values, you back up on your priority and before long, you get deeper and deeper and deeper and one day you walk up and you have no morals or values anymore. And it happened over a gradual period of time and you don't even know how you got there and your mind is so twisted that you can't even see that you're there. Warped seducing spirits, they're stronger than you are. Seductive, they're clever, they're tricky. They're deceptive. No one goes where they go without being deceived. I'm getting off my notes. Okay, I'm just gonna close with this. I had a dream several, a few years back And I dreamt about this family. This family was a man and his wife had two children. I know them personally, very close to me. And all of a sudden, in this dream, I began to lift off the earth. And when I lifted off the earth, I met up with his family. I met up with his sister, the husband's sister. I met up with... His mother, I met up, and I all could start naming all these different relatives that was in that household. And we were going up, and we were going up through the eastern sky. And all of a sudden I looked down, and I' seen his two children running out of the back of their home, and they're running and they're holding their hands out, running with everything within them to try to want to go. And the more they run, the more we kept drifting apart and faster we drifted apart. They finally gave up and the the youngest girl was out in front and collapsed and started weeping. The other child come within 40 steps of her and she began to just cry and she began to weep. And all of a sudden the mother come out, fell, sat down with her legs crossed and was just doing this crying weeping and rocking. The oldest girl came to her and then the youngest girl came to her and she put her arms around them. She started praying and crying and weeping with no hope. And all of a sudden, the father of the house come out, smiling, laughing, caring. What's going on, come on, guys. I'll make it right, come on. We'll go, it's okay, I'll, I'll get you there, we'll go. And the wife looked up at him and said, you're ignorant, you don't see, you're blinded. I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. And the whole family was left and the rapture of the church took place. One of the things about the scripture is, is just like in the days of Lot, it caught people unprepared. It's gonna catch people unprepared now. Paul and Peter both says he's gonna come as a, Thief in the night. Amen. Matthew twenty four. Jesus says one's going to be in the two's going to be in the field. One taken, another one left. One's going to be at the grinder. One's going to be taken. Another one's going to be left. Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter fifty, verse fifty five, that he's going to come in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, just like that. He says, "I tell you that he tells you that the Son of Man is going to come suddenly. So therefore, watch." And pray and keep an eye out because he's going to come in a moment when you think not. We're living in a time that we got to be prepared, but it's more than just being prepared. It's becoming that not prepared just so that we can go in the rapture, but that we can fight this end time fight and stop this darkness that's prevailing our land and be a light and give America her one last hope before Jesus Christ returns. I am ready. Are you ready to fight? Are you going to put everything within this thing and say I'm not going to slack? I'm not going to be lukewarm. I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm not going to be full of, uh, of, of. I'm not going to become a melancholy spirit just sitting back and saying well, well, what will be, will be. I'm so tired of hearing that. As a matter of fact if that's the uh, route you want to take then why pray? If if what will be, will be and if you ain't got the power to change anything, then why pray? Why preach? Let's just shut the house down. Let's just go home. Let's forget about it. I'm here to tell you I've got lost loved ones and I'm here to declare I'm going to snatch them out of the fire. I'm not I'm gonna proclaim, I'm gonna declare, I'm gonna preach, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna do all I can do, I'm gonna fight the good fight of faith, I'm gonna lay hold of eternal life for everybody I possibly can. Would you stand with me please? I didn't get to finish my message. Just a simple ABC. This is how I'm gonna do my altar call today. I don't know which war, war it was. It was either World War One or World War II. I don't think it was Korea. I don't think it was Vietnam. I know it wasn't. Uh, the uh, uh, wars, the last few wars that we've had. But in the earlier years in World War One World War II, something like that a young boy got drafted from a family and the battle was intense and they heard where they were taking him and he was going to the front lines. I read this many years ago and I can't, i I'll just give you the gist of it. The father went up to the, the local recruiter's office in his hometown. He's in his 50s, almost 60 years old. He says, I want to, Join the army. They said, man, you can't join the army. You don't need to join the army. You're too old. No, I want to join the army. There's only one condition that I'll join it. He said, well, what's that condition? He said that wherever my son is sent, I'm sent with him. He said, well, we can't do that because, you know, we try to send if there's family members, we try to send them in different battles so that that family won't suffer loss and be, you know, they learned their lesson on that in the previous war without going into the history of that. But if you had brothers that were in battle, they'd try to put one over here and one over here so that both of them would not be killed and that, su- that family suffer such loss. He said, I don't care. If that boys fight, I wanna fight with him. If that boy dies, I wanna die with him, it don't matter. Mama's ready and I'm ready. And there's a part of me saying this. My children are called a conflict. My grandchildren are facing some of the greatest conflicts that this world has ever faced. There's such darkness in our schools. There's such darkness on the internet. At the flip of a switch, and I want to tell you, you can be innocent in it. As a pastor, I've just tapped in something, and boom, something come up on my phone. And you know what? Sometimes when it comes up, you can't hardly get it off. Filth, abominations. Young kids who's curious, whose hormones sometimes are running crazy, them teenage years, and they're faced with so much. And grandpa ain't going to leave the fighting up to them. Grandpa's going to say, where are my family's at? Put me in the battle with them. If they die, I'll die. But if a Miller family goes down, we're going down together. This old man ain't going to roll over and say, whoop, I'm in retirement. Whoop, I'm done. I'm finished. I put in my dues. Let them do it. Come on, somebody. We fight over what songs we're going to sing. We fight whether or not we're gonna put lights in the sanctuary or no lights in the city. Let's get over our pettiness and let's understand where we're at. Can I have an amen? Good night. It's time to grow up in the church. It's time to say we're in the fight for our lives. Your grandchildren, your children, you don't understand the pressure that's upon them. I pray every single day of my life over my family. I name each one of them by name and I spend time praying for them. Every day. I do not miss a day. Every day of my life I'll pray, I'll put, and sometimes God will burden me for one over the other and I'll spend more time on one than I will the other. But every one of their names is mentioned and every one of their names is prayed over. Ever, And you know what, when I feel like something's going on in their life, I'll try to speak to them and pull it out of them. What's going on? You can talk to grandpa. You can, call, you can talk to dad. What's taking place here? And I want to tell you, they're not always like what I've had to tell them. My son, Andrew, I'm very proud of him. He's a great golfer. He's almost as good as his grandpa. Oh, I knew that was coming. I set myself up for that. I'm a horrible golfer, but he's a golfer. I don't know a lot about it, but he's doing real well, excelling real high. You know what kind of prayers I've prayed? God, when he goes on that golf course, if that golf course is gonna get in the way of you, make him have a bad day. He don't like me praying like that. But God, if he keeps you first, prospering, blessing, Let him excel in his dream. Let him but not at the expense of putting that over you. That's the kind of prayers I pray. That's hard prayers. But I want to tell you something. Nothing's more important to me than see that grandson make it to glory. Can I have it? And even though I'm doing my part, there's a part he's got to end up doing or he won't make it. And he is doing that. I believe that. He's got a tender heart towards the Lord. My little Jedediah, he's already become a preacher, man. That dude can preach. he I don't know, I guess it's Sophie pointed into the boy, but some of the most profound things he says scripturally just blows my mind. And sometimes he can come out with more revelation than somebody that has been serving the Lord for 30 years. I think, way to go, Jedediah. Way to go, Jedediah! We gotta get serious. I know this, that God is speaking to my heart. He says, trim yourself. Sanctify yourself. Cleanse yourself. Purify yourself of all filthiness of flesh and spirit. Because I'm coming back, Kent. And I'm not coming back after a church that's got any spot or any wrinkle or any such thing. It's got to be holy. It's got to be blameless. I don't know about you, but if you're ready to go to war for your family, for your church, for your community, for your schools, I just want you to come forward. Are you ready to go to battle? Don't come unless you're ready. This is serious stuff. Look at me, church. We cannot afford... We cannot afford to lose this fight.